Remember, you can stay up to date on the latest news with the Irish Independent WhatsApp channel. This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. On occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. I'm Nicola Tallent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. We're two days away from October 22nd and we now know it's anything but the Freedom Day we once thought it might be. As COVID cases continue to surge, there's new efforts to tackle the virus, like scaling up antigen testing, rolling out booster shots for the over 60s and keeping it business as usual where mask wearing indoors and on public transport is concerned. Two weeks ago, in our conversations with public health officials. This scenario was not on the horizon. The case numbers have taken a turn for the worst. And we have to respond. That's it. Simple as that. Uh, So we're not where we hope to be, uh, or expected to be for October 22nd. But what about the less grand and more gradual return to the office? We have nightclubs reopening, and now we have a further crackdown on COVID certs. What will all of this mean for us over the next four months? So the onus now really is on the employers to decide who needs to be in the office and who needs to be at home. People in the real economy need to know what's happening and when, and that has to be communicated very clearly to them. The finishing line is in sight. We need to get there one COVID cert at a time. I'm Siobhan McGuire and joining me on this episode of the Indo-Daily are Gabia Gadavets Katia, political reporter in the Irish Independent, Neil MacDonald, CEO of ISMI and Adrian Cumming, Chief Executive of the Restaurants Association of Ireland. Gabia Gatifex Katia, a political reporter for the Irish Independent. You've been across all the goings on between Neffet, Nyack, and yesterday's uh, government meetings in relation to this. Can we start first of all with the um, back to work aspects? Because we were expecting this huge uh, return to the office for everyone. And then, of course, Ronan Glynn brought out that uh, uh, tweet video last weekend, uh, last Friday. And then everything seemed to be turned on its head. But you have some updates, don't you? Yeah, so it all kind of started last Friday when, you're right, Ronan Glynn, who's Deputy Chief Medical Officer, put out this video saying that if you can at all, you should be working from home this winter. Now, that's not strictly in line with government advice. Uh, Tanish Sadliv Radker, who's the, also the Minister for Enterprise, he's been at the, I suppose, forefront of this campaign to get people gradually back to the office and that kind of started around in August and it's been on a phased return I think um, you know when certainly some government sources uh, saw Dr. Glynn's video they sort of said well that's not strictly in line with our advice because we are advocating officially for a very phased return to the office now it's always going to be phased so 
you're right. Yesterday we had that big announcement from government on the latest restrictions and Thánaiste Liam Radker said that the Labour Employer Economic Forum Relief will meet um, to discuss, I suppose, a bit of an update to the back to work safety protocol. So what he told me was what the government line now is that, yes, the staggered and phased return to the office is possible. But for example, specific business purpose induction meetings or training is allowed within the office. Um, People who can work from home and want to should be able to do that and the employer should facilitate that. Certainly people who can work from home um, and uh, want to continue to work from home, their employer should facilitate that. Then he also acknowledged, and and this is his own words, there's people that have been sitting on their beds working from home on their laptops for the the past 18 months. But bear in mind, there are also people who've been working from home, uh, you know, with a laptop on a bed for 18 months now, and they really want to get back to the office. And if so, Um, if there is a way to bring them back to the office, you know, social distance, which they're sitting on their own, that should be facilitated also. But I do think that, you know, we saw Dr. Glenn's comments on Friday day and and now uh, you know after the weekend that protocol is being updated. And in the same vein, uh, Gabia, uh, you know, w- that people are sitting on, on their beds or in the spare room or at the kitchen table working away for however long. There are people who have been in the workforce because they've had to frontline, retail, whatever it may be. Yeah, I mean, of course, this, you know, this back to work really only applies to office workers. It doesn't apply to people that have been quite literally battling COVID on the front lines in hospitals, quite literally facing COVID every single day. You know, retail workers, hospitality staff who've who've gone in, especially we've heard a lot of talk about, of course, younger staff that had to go in and serve, you know, vaccinated customers when they themselves haven't even gotten the chance to be offered a vaccine. So, you know, back to work isn't really the correct phrase to use, really. It's really back to the office. Gabia, how is the phased return to the office looking like now? So interestingly, uh, Tanish Sully of Radker said yesterday that, of course, this will be a very, it was always going to be a very phased return back to the office during the winter months. Um, he also indicated that it'll actually be spring before we see a complete full return to the office. Um, of course, we have legislation now that says if you want to, you know, if, if, if you feel like working from home is what's best for you, your employer should facilitate that. Um, but I suppose it will really be, the onus will really be on the employers more than ever before to make a decision for themselves who needs to be in the office and who needs to be at home. And um, finally, Gabia, I guess um, it's another week, it's another conflict between uh, the government and um, health officials. We know now that in two days' time, we're not having the, the great Freedom Day. Many months ago, we thought we might have. But, you know, this is all in the interests of public safety, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, I think... Ministers are spooked by what happened at Christmas last year. Not spooked, they're scared. You know, we made that fatal mistake of reopening um, and everybody, you know, used... They followed They followed what the restrictions were in place. You know, the people didn't do anything wrong. They followed government advice. And I think government admits that, that they made a mistake last Christmas. And so whenever Netflix pressed caution or they're saying, look, we're looking at the figures and we're worried, ministers kind of tend to follow that line of thinking. Um, and... 
you know, I think certainly, yes, it was supposed to be our Freedom Day. We were supposed to see masks remaining in shops, public transport and in hospitals, which, you know, it's it's not even that is, is, is conservative compared to what some European countries have. Holland, for example, have gotten rid of masks for, um, you know, retail. But I think to have Neffet roll back and, and, and I think even their letter, they acknowledge that, look, we, we did think about recommending a complete pause on restrictions for three to four weeks, but actually that wouldn't have made much of a difference because what we're seeing now is what we're going to see for a couple of months. So, you know, we can proceed, but with a lot of caution. And I think government saw that, you know, as long as we're not saying to the people, we're completely stopping, we are proceeding, but we're being very careful about it. You know, that's better than saying we're stopping altogether. Adrian Cummins, Chief Executive of the Restaurants Association. We're looking at a situation where there has to be more consistency in the use of COVID certificates. And that is something to be welcomed, right? Yes, it is. And I accept that. And from the outset, when COVID certs were introduced into the hospitality um, sector, we were one of the first uh, organisations to welcome that. In order for hospitality businesses to reopen in August of this year. It was new to our industry. It is labour intensive around the inspection process. It is a two-way process between the customer and the business owner and their staff. And when it comes to the vaccine passport, we need to dial up our efforts again. And it's it's incumbent on every business to do the right thing in the best interest of their own business of the sector itself and the country at large. First of all, and very importantly, all of the progress that we have made to date remains in place and everything that has, remained, that has reopened remains open. In line with NEFET advice, those sectors due to reopen on the 22nd of October may now only do so on the basis that all customers must produce their proof of vaccination and identity. On this issue, I want to give a very clear message. The vaccination programme and the use of COVID passes is how we have been able to open the hospitality sector so far. To stay open, we need everyone to enforce and respect the rules. If a business is not compliant, well, there's two things that must happen here. The business, the customer can refuse to enter the premises themselves, take their own personal responsibility. And also that business should be called out if they're not doing the right thing. And that's around inspections. That's around making sure we dial up spot checks around our industry to so, so that with a level playing pitch, we all abide by the same rules and we all do the right thing. But it's very difficult to police this, isn't it? I mean, we know that there's a, a lot of confusion over who exactly um, calls into these restaurants to make sure that they are compliant. There is confusion and we've we outlined that, and I outlined that very specifically when we uh, established the COVID passport scheme back in August, that there must be a very robust element of inspection when an inspector walks into our premises. We're well used to inspections. We do, every day of the week, we have somebody coming in on either a white coat or somebody of authority to inspect our premises, be it from food safety, be it environmental health, be it from employment law, and now COVID checks, but we need to dial up the number of inspections. There was only 450, if, they, if my 
uh, estimate of, of, of numbers of inspections were conducted over the last number of weeks and months. So out of and a that's to- across how many premises? 20,000 businesses. Okay. So that's a very small cohort of inspections. Who's in charge? Who do we report to? Who collates the data? If somebody steps out of the line, what happens then? So that we all play on a level playing pitch. And who do you report to? Well, I don't actually know myself. I think <laughs> I think it's the Health and Safety Authority that are in charge. Uh, environmental health officers from the HSE have a role as well as part of their inspection process. And then Falch Ireland also have a role around their COVID safety charter check uh, as well. So, you know, maybe it's falling between three stools. Maybe, maybe it's been done correctly and properly, but I don't see it. My members get some sort of an inspection. But here's one other analogy I have to give is there is a difference between urban settings and rural settings. So you have an urban setting where not necessarily you will know all your customers, but in a rural setting, you will know all your customers because you have a very localized, small catchment area and few customers that comes into you. So if I present my COVID passport and I'm checked and that local person local pub owner, restaurant owner, cafe owner, hotel owner knows who was checked or not. They shouldn't have to be present every time, I don't believe. But let's clarify that. And maybe that has to be reinforced also. Because if I'm checked once and I've got vaccinated once, sorry, if I'm fully vaccinated, why do I have to present it all the time to my local restaurant if they know who I am and they know are aware I'm vaccinated? Neil MacDonald, CEO of ISME, the Irish Small and Medium Enterprise Association. What we're looking at now are kind of two, uh, three main areas. The, the, the use of COVID certs, um, the, the kind of we're warming uh, to the idea of antigen testing and that being scaled up. Um, and then there's the working from home aspect. So what affects your members? To your point uh, on working from home, I, I mean, a lot of businesses, you know, before we heard uh, the the um, uh, video from the deputy CMO last week, an awful lot of businesses were already working on plans for blended return to work. Uh, we know of very few businesses who are imposing a 100% return to office environment on their employees. There, there are businesses that have to do that because it's in the nature of their work. For example, the sorts of businesses where collaborative uh, output is required, where you have people that do individual bits of a task, where innovation is key, uh, engineering applications, um, software, IT, architecture. These are all areas where, while it has been technically possible to work from home, the output uh, in those businesses has been severely severely degraded because of working from home. So those businesses have been trying to get people back to to a at least a partial uh, return to work setting. Uh, so, so when we heard things last week suggesting that we should be looking at working from home for the remainder of 2022 and perhaps 2021 and possibly into 2022, that's certainly uh, caused a great deal of confusion and angst amongst those types of businesses in particular. So um, all of those areas you raise are areas of significant concern in the small enterprise sector. 
we know that there's a lot of talk about the, uh, uh, us taking a more rigid approach to COVID certs and how they are being used. Uh, from your own um, members' feedback, what what are they saying about this? You know, th- those businesses in particular that have been shut for a long time, uh, particularly in the hospitality sector, uh, restaurants and bars and so on, uh, as as inconvenient as checking those things are, uh, you know, we're dealing with business people who are at their end of their tether and they will do anything, anything to return to work. Um, what we did not see uh, as a trade association as this thing has happened is that a... Uh, uh, vaccination certs have taken on a certain uh, political uh, uh, meaning uh, for certain sectors. And that's very frustrating for people in in business because their attitude is, look, whatever your personal view on this, uh, you're perfectly entitled to it. But if government is telling us that these are the circumstances under which we can reopen or not reopen, we will work with government to do that. We will cooperate so far as is humanly possible with that. So, you know, the message from small business would be, yes, it's frustrating to do these things, but if this is the cost of us reopening, then we're really happy to get on with it and just get on with it. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, it's just you made a face when I was when I was talking there. Oh, good, you can see me. Yes. Sorry, I normally have the camera off for these meetings. We're in the same room. Oh, sorry, yeah, I'm just getting used to being back in the office. Okay. Sorry I'm late. Uh, Wi-Fi issues, you know yourself. John. You're still in your dressing gown. Oh, sorry, I'm still getting used to not working from home. Suit and tie, John. In the workplace. Very basic stuff. Neil, in your own opinion, are employers happy for workers to be working remotely most of the time this winter? I would not say most of the time. Um, and it really does depend. I mean, I mean, I'm regularly asked that question. And working from home works very well for certain groups of people. There are professionals, um, I, I'm thinking in, in the uh, legal sphere, in accountancy, in various forms of consultancy, for whom working from home has been a continuation of business as normal. Um, and they're well able to do it. But in other areas where uh, where work is done collaboratively in an office, uh, this has caused great difficulty for people, not just for employers. I think it's really important to emphasise that a lot of the calls we are getting now um, from workplaces in, involve people who are having interpersonal difficulties uh, with other people in the workplace because they are required to collaborate and work with others. And now all they're seeing is this little letterbox on a screen in front of them. And they are finding it really difficult. And we are now directing lots of inquiries towards counsellors, towards mediators, towards psychologists and psychiatrists, because people are really suffering uh, in working from home on a constant basis, on a never-ending basis. And this is why we have so publicly questioned the utterances from the deputy CMO last week about working from home semi-indefinitely. Well, on today's episode, I was joined by Neil MacDonald, CEO of ISME, Adrian Cummins, Chief Executive of the Restaurants Association of Ireland, and Gabia gazavets Katia, political reporter with the Irish Independent. Today's Indo-Daily was presented and produced by myself, Siobhan Maguire, research by Tabitha Monaghan and sound design by John Smith. 
Archive clips thanks to independent.ie, RTE and Foil Arms and Hog. You can listen to the Indo Daily wherever you get your podcasts.